Hey there, I'm Vicki Howell, and welcome to episode four of Craftish. This episode is sponsored by Kitterly, carefully curated knitting and crochet kits to make anything. Have you been over to their site? It's pretty, it's pretty beautiful, I have to say. They have tons of kits from really great artists, um, knitters, designers, yarn companies, like Tin Can Knits, Tiny Owl, Amy Herzog, and as of today, April 12th, yours truly, me. I'm so thrilled to announce that launching today are my Lunch Hour Knit Kits, which is just a collection of four kits that I designed to be cool and accessible and really fun to make. It's sort of my overall gig to make yarn crafting or just being creative in general completely accessible. I totally get how busy we all are and that finding that time, that really important time to be creative seems a little bit I don't know, unrealistic? Well, I have got your creative back. All of these kits, um, there's four of them, like I said, there's a patio cafe cowl, a happy hour hat, oven mittens, which actually have nothing to do with ovens at all, I just like a theme, (laughs) and a market run bag. They're all designed to be able to be made in a handful of lunch hours or less, so that not only are you gonna have an adorable, accessory once you're done you're also going to have a feeling of accomplishment and just kind of be able to remind yourself how cool you are because you made something out of string with your hands and it's awesome so the other cool thing is that Kitterly is offering a special discount code for Craftish listeners. So if you go on to kitterly.com and you place an order for any of their kits, of course, I would love it if you bought mine, but any of the kits that they have, and you put in the code Vicky20, that's Vicky, V-I-C-K-I-E, 20, you'll get 20% off. So um, be sure to take advantage of that and um, Give it a try. I think you're really going to dig it. They also have a, um, a monthly kit club that you can join too. And so you pay a monthly fee and you get kind of like all these new like surprises and cool kits too, which sounds super awesome as well. So anyways, give it a, give it a try. Today's guest is Kara Gott Warner. She's the executive editor of Creative Knitting. She and I have known each other probably for years, you know, just on kind of a you know, work type level. Um, I'd done some stuff back, you know, in the past for her magazine and we'd kind of, you know, crossed paths here and there, but it wasn't really until the Craft Yarn Council had a meetup in Austin and I invited her and also um, Trisha Malcolm from Vogue Knitting and Karen Strom, who at the time um, ran the needle arts department at Interweave. I invited them over to my house and it was over many, many, many bottles of wine um, on the patio amidst, you know, an acre of land in Texas that we all really got to sit down and trade secrets and frustrations and triumphs and really talk about our little branch of of the creative industry. Um, or ethos as it were and so we've kind of we've touched stayed in touch since then I've been a guest on her podcast and uh, we try to do these kind of Skype sessions where we just meet up and swap ideas and she's um she's a wealth of knowledge and just a really great person so uh, without further ado let's meet Kara. Kara Gott Warner thank you so much for being on Craftish it's good to talk to you my friend. Oh, thank you so much, Vicki. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. You have been so supportive um, in encouraging me to 
reemerge in the podcast world. And um, I, I truly think of your entire, the way that you've approached your own podcast, Power Pearls, has sort of raised the bar for at least in the um, craft genre for how, uh, at least the business side, how you've approached promoting and being on top of everything. And um, I just, I so appreciate you as both a friend and also just as a, as a colleague. So I wanted to say that Thank first. you. Thank you so much. That's and, uh, very nice. Very and kind. we will definitely, I want to talk about your podcast and I want to talk about your many other <laughs> amazing projects that you're working on in a bit. But I wanted to start because you and I have had the benefit of having many awesome, like creative conversations over the past, especially the past couple years. Um, but I came across something when I was sort of like going over notes for for our chat um, that I had not seen before. It was in your bio. It was something um, that you said, and I, I wanted to read it because um, it spoke to me. And I'll talk. I'll talk a bit about why it spoke to me in a second. So you say. Looking back on my life, I see an interesting configuration of stepping stones. And by looking back, I can see that they have all been placed there for very specific reasons. And that so resonates with me because I have a truly random career path, at least. Um, You know, I'm now sort of this like DIY personality slash author person, but when you when you look at my entire resume, it's 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 pretty random, you know, working in the entertainment industry, and then of course we all had teenage jobs, and we all worked our way through school or whatever it, or whatever it is. And I think about all the time how, man, because I was a, a waitress for a while, I know that I can make a human connection by just placing my hand on their shoulder because your tips would go up if you made mm-hmm. that like. Mm-hmm. Th- Um, And that benefits me when I'm at conferences or because I, you know, worked for an agent um, in the movies and miniseries packaging department of of a talent agency. I got to hear on a daily basis how people would pitch themselves for projects. Well, I use that skill every single day of my life when I'm now as a creative entrepreneur and I could, I could go on and on and on. And if, Anybody saw that resume, they would never in their entire <laughs> life think like, oh, of course, this is this is a track to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know where you found those the, that, you know, those words. I remember writing them. Trust me. They're on your about page. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. But right. what I wanted to, but <laughs> one of the main reasons, well, probably the main reason that I wanted to do this, this whole podcast was, was for those, those two things for what, I, you know, what I've just shared with you, why it resonated and what, and what your own words were that we are in this sort of creative community that for you and I, you know, is very focused on the fiber arts, but certainly extends to anybody who makes a living or just lives creatively in any respect, writing, you know, music, film, whatever. But what I've noticed over the years through all of these wonderful relationships that I've created is that there is not a track, there is not a direct pathway, you know, and there's always exceptions. Of course, you can go to school and get a degree in graphic design and then become a graphic designer and then, you know, you can build on that. But so often I've found what's fascinating about the group of people that I consider part of the overall creative community is that it's like a zigzag pool Mm -hmm. of experiences. And I I wanted to know, I I wanted you to speak a little bit on that as as it applies 
to those words that I've just read. Wow. <laughs> you really, uh, yes, this is a quite a, quite a surprise. <clears throat> no, not really, but, um, it's really making me think. So yeah, about those stepping stones. Yeah, it is a zigzag. I mean, it was totally a zigzag for me from the beginning. And, um, well, let's you know, talk even- about your beginning a little bit, but you know, I threw that at you and, and, let me let me put it this way. So sure. some of the things that you've done for listeners who, um, because this podcast is not just for knitters and crocheters and and people in the general craft industry, I'm hoping it'll it'll reverberate across the creative realm. Um, you have a background in illustration, in knitwear design, in fitness training. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fill in the blanks and talk about how how you see them as a stepping stone to where you are now which is, you know, you're the editor, executive editor of Creative Knitting Magazine. You're hosting mm-hmm. not one but two podcasts, one specifically um, knit-related, the other not, um, and whatever other projects you want to share. Wow. So, yeah, where, where, can, I, where can I start with that? Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, about the kind of the beginnings. Uh, you mentioned something now. I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm, – I'm kind of losing track here. Um, the zigzag, my, my, uh, uh, well, you, oh say, gosh. you say that you, <laughs> that you see them as stepping stones. So talk about that. Talk about how, how would becoming, being a fitness trainer and being an illustrator be mm-hmm. a stone to step you where you are today as a right. success, successful editor and executive? Yeah, yeah, that that's because I you mentioned the illustration part, and I was like, okay, yes, that was a big one because it sparked this idea uh, for me. Back then, I knew that you know just focusing on the knitwear side of of my career would not fully pay the bills. You know, I mean, just just kind of keeping my direction in that you know in that on that my focus on that, and so I knew that if I were to you know kind of put my feelers out there in many different areas. And illustration was, you know, definitely one of those that I could be, I like to, you know, I've coined this term, a scrappy uh, yeah. creative or a scrappy designer, if you will. And, you know, basically marketing myself at the time, um, you know, I had this skill as an illustrator. I had a, actually a degree uh, in illustration, but I had this passion for knitwear. And so I... Um, I decided that I would become known as a technical illustrator in in knitting and crochet and that I would be able to kind of jump into any project without any, without much help or much reference. And so kind of create this very custom uh, kind of persona for myself as, as an illustrator in, in the knitwear realm, because that's where I really wanted to carve out this, this space myself. So technical illustrator meaning charts or meaning the line drawings of hands that would demonstrate? All of the above. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I started doing some schematics and then, you know, I got hooked up with publishers and like Sterling and Lark and Random House. And, you know, and I remember, you know, I thought, hey, I'm just going to jump in and put together some, you know, illustrations that would fit you know, I, I studied some of the books that were out there at the time. This goes back to, you know, the early 2000s. And I just pitched myself to different editors. And that's pretty much how it started. I mean, I made made that, you know, baked that cake, if you will. Yeah. You know, I, I decided that if I, I wanted this, I had to actually create the job myself. Absolutely. 
You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where I went with that. And um, so that was one kind of, you know, uh, avenue that I focused on. And then, yeah, so the fitness training and um, so, I mean, I did, I've done everything from, you know, spin, you know, like cycle, not, yeah. that, not to be confused with the uh, yarn spinning of yarn. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> Even though I do that too. Mm-hmm. So like cycling, and, and I've always considered myself to be creative in, in, you know, in whatever I do, even if it's like in the gym or when I was working as a fitness professional. Um, but if there's one thing, and you've said this about yourself too, and I, I consider myself always, I've always been this encourager. I've always yeah. been a coach. I've always been in the trenches with, you know, with those people that I work with. And even, and then, you know, with creative knitting, it's the same way you know, people will say, oh, you're the expert, you know, and I always feel funny when people say that because it's like, well, hey, I mean, I, I want to, I can relate, you know, to, to the audience because I feel like I'm in the trenches with them. You know what I mean? And I'm there to be the cheerleader. And I think that that's a really important place to be. And you, you know, so you, I know you totally relate to that. Don't you, don't you think so? I know. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. That word expert sounds so finite and kind of intimidating, but in the same way, I kind of think of it as, sort of this term that gives people permission to look towards you. And then Mm. you, once you have that glance, you put creative eyes on them and you guys can be in that same zone together. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see it as an end-all, be-all term. I see it as something that gives you sort of that, like, credibility to then open the doors. I want to talk a little... You mentioned really quickly, I'm really interested in this, you said something about you how you even approached um, your fitness training creatively. What does that look like? What is what does oh, creative gosh. fitness training look like <laughs> from your perspective? Is that just the way that you presented it? Or was it a mindset that you got into? I, I think it was a combination of both. I mean, you know, I, um, I can get bored really quickly with mm-hmm. things, uh, you know, in the gym, in my creative life. I mean, I always have to kind of mix it up and change it. Mm. And so when I'm in, when I'm at the gym, even now it's like, Hmm, what am I going to do today? And I, I, just because I've been doing it for so long and working with people and also my training myself, so to speak, um, you know, I can pick from, uh, you know, kind of like a, a plethora of different types of, you know, routines and exercises and just sort of whip up something. Cause I cannot just do like the same old thing. And right. I tell you what, if you want, I mean, as far as what does that look like? I'm a really big fan of circuit training. And I did this with, with clients and I do it all the time myself where it's like, you're just nonstop, you know, like today I'll give you a perfect example. I, uh, I was on the spin bike and then like I did like split a split routine where I got off every like five minutes. So it'd be like every break of a song and I would do like push-ups and then I would do plank and then I would do, you know, deadlifts and squats and, you know, and I'm always trying new things like, hmm, what if I do this? What, what kind of muscle will that hit? And you could say it's almost like the same thing when it comes to, you know, what I do in the magazine or what I do even as a designer, because that, that, those are my beginnings. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what's so unique about being an editor of a magazine in um, in a creative space because most yeah. editors have been designers or makers or whatever, you know, that phrase is now. And so that's, you know, so that applies to all these different areas in our lives. I think it just trickles in, even in the kitchen. I mean, like, I get very creative there too. <laughs> 
So you're so, so it sounds to me that you're saying that you look for different pathways to get you to the same destination. Mm. which is that creative space, that, that space of fulfillment, that space, whatever that, whatever you call that thing that we're all grasping towards. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it's also a fun, a fun ride. It's like, if it's a surprise and it's going to take me somewhere else, that's fine too, because I'm still a dreamer, you know, like I still kind of have these like moments of, you know, well, you know, just, imagining if I do something, where will it take me? You know, the, the mystical experience of it all. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but does but that, does that feel any different than when you're freeform knitting and you create this really cool piece you weren't thinking of, or when you're collaging and all of a sudden you see something beautiful, is it a different feeling than mm-hmm. just that like feeling of imagination of where will it take me? It, does that it's feel different or is it as, does it release those same chemicals in your body? Does it feel as luscious? Yes, it does. Because you know what it is, what it comes down to is it's this, it's this in the spirit of spontaneity. Interesting. That's really, I think what it is, you know, cause we're kind of, we're talking and we're drilling down more and more. And that, that's the truth for me. Like, I love that. I love spontaneity. You know what I find so comical and also fascinating about that coming out of your mouth is that (laughs) you are such a paradox in many ways because you're very creative but you are one of the most sort of like scheduled spreadsheety gals I've ever I've ever met like the way that you plan out things I have never worked with another editor that plans out issues like a year and a half ahead of time. And for me, it brings me anxiety thinking, like thinking about that much stuff ahead of time. For you, it 100% works, but then you're all, you're also able to switch. You have a very planned spontaneity in a lot of ways. And I find that fascinating. It's so funny that you say that because it's, it's like a blessing and a curse sometimes, but um, yes, I am. I love structure too. And that's the, um, you know, I always called it like, like this, uh, left, right, left brain thing is like an asset that going back to my early career, like this asset, because, uh, you know, I also have a background in finance and in bookkeeping. (laughs) So that's that's where the, right. I know that's where the, that, that, that structured, you know, that craving for structure comes in because I do like to put things in little in boxes. So it's that right, left brain. And so I knew that I had this asset as a designer and as a, and I could use that as an editor because I could all, I could see the big picture creative, creatively. I love freeform. I love spontaneity, but on the flip side, I'm very good at structure and I'm very good at organizing. So you like to put things (laughs) in boxes, but you encourage yourself and others to think outside of them. Yes. Fascinating. You are a fascinating one. You know what's interesting? I mean, that is pretty rare. And also, if you can figure out, and it seems like you are on a daily basis, and I know it's always an evolving process, but if you can figure out how to harness both of those things, you have such a um, one-up on so many creative people, especially creative entrepreneurs, Not, not necessarily people that are just, you know living creatively and that's not necessarily what they do as a profession but artists in general crafters creators makers often have a really hard time with the business side of it the promotional side Mm -hmm. of it the side that takes a little bit more structure and so if you sort of have the gift of being able to tap in to both of those very different skills 
that really sort of gives you, that puts you in a place that is way apart from many. That's wonderful. It's so sweet of you. I, you know, I like to think that I do have that ability, you know, and just having been, uh, you know, self-employed myself before, you know, working for creative knitting, I, you know, when it comes to being a marketer, you know, and kind of getting my feelers out there in many different ways, that's another creative thing, you know, just creative marketing, you know, and, and how can you dig into one little tiny thing about your business and just kind of, you know, just kind of explode into these other areas. Mm -hmm. There's so much, there's so much in there. And that's the thing that I, I, I do talk a lot about on, on my podcast, Power Pearls, and with designers that I mentor and talk to, you know, it's like there's there are so many different things using that creative ability that, you know, that that part of you. And then um, when I see that structured side in in uh, I, I definitely see it in entrepreneurial designers, you know, where they have the creative side, but then they have this other side. It's sort of like what I said before about structure and putting things in boxes. They can use, like you said, harness both or um, commingle both together to create this like magical formula, you know? And if you can recognize that, which I feel like I have myself personally, but saying this to anyone out there listening, being able to recognize what that looks like for you is extremely powerful thing. Well, I think you kind of just laid it out for people in a way with something that you said, and you said you approach your interests and you dig it, or I'm sorry, your business and you dig into it. And you can't see her hands, but she's kind of like moving one to a side and then moving another, like she's like, she's moving over the cobwebs, right? So if you can approach business, something that seems sort of maybe boring and mundane when you're a creative type and you can, and you can look at that as if it is an experience in and of itself, perhaps then you can use your creative side to explore that. And then it'll feel a little truer to your own pathway. Yeah, definitely. And like, I like to make things and start things like start programs and, and, and I get excited. And I think that designers are the same way where you, you, I know my fire is in that for, you know, the design like concept. Right. But then after that, and I'm just speaking again from that business side, delegate it, yeah. hand it off to somebody. Like if you are working in a, you know, a company too, treat that like a business. I mean, that's what I do at creative knitting. I mean, um, you know, right now I have a big, big project that I'm working on and I'm at the helm of the marketing piece of this project. So like, hmm, you know, who can help me that would really love to help in this respect and do it better than I could, you know, and then it's sort of like, how can you partner with them? You know what I mean? Yeah. To get them on your team. And so, because, you know, you can't do everything yourself and you might as well capitalize on your strengths. You know, that when people say, Oh, work on your weaknesses. I mean, that's BS. I'm sorry, because I think, sure, you know, you, it's a good idea to, um, you know, see if you can develop some of those weaknesses if you can. But, you know, the truth is, is that you capitalize, you focus on what you're really good at and the things that maybe you're not so good at. You, you try to see if you can get somebody else to help you do them. Yeah, I think there's a certain sort of strength and powering and being uh, and power in being able to identify what aren't your strengths and being at peace enough to know when it's the time to let them go so that your power, your focus can be, can be more enraptured, um, with, with the success of, of, of your strengths. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a really cool book actually. It's called Strength Strengths Finders or Strength Finders. I don't know if there's an S on the end of strengths, but it's um it's by Tom Wraith, I think. Anyway, Strengths Finders, and you know it it basically it's a really interesting book, and you and you take this like little online test uh, if you buy the book, so the test is free. And I I did this, and I was floored. And usually, and there's strengths that you won't be surprised about. Like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. But then it has these, like, little tips or these ways that you can really focus in on those strengths. And, you know, like, mine was, like, big picture, but then also you're structured, you know. Did you break the test? Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know. No. But it was uh, was very um, reassuring confirmation, like a confirmation, but also inspiring. And, 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 you know, anyway, so just a little idea for anyone looking to, figure that out that reminds me of those tests that we all took when we were probably in like middle school or high school that to to like help you choose your career path and they were always like so random the answers but um but also enlightening in a way (laughs) yeah so you work you have like a kind of a nine to five job I mean nothing's nine to five anymore everybody works at all times um at least as Mm -hmm. Americans um but but you work for a corporation, so you have sort of a traditional job in that sense. Um, so I would love to know what your tools are for um, sort of keeping your own creativity alive or your own creative spirit nurtured while also maintaining what you need to maintain to, to be an executive editor. Hmm, good question. Well, my standing desk. <laughs> We're back to exercise. <laughs> I don't know if I told you about that. No, my love affair was my standing desk. Well, I have one at home. My husband made really beautiful, but um, where I am right now, and then uh, at work, uh, you know, one day I was standing up. I had this kind of makeshift desk, that you know, thingy, and my boss is like, "Why don't you just get one of those standing thingies? You know that you know standing desk." And I'm telling you, I don't know. uh, It's it's something I've been doing for years, and I know that. I know you didn't expect me to say this was a tool, but um, it really does help my productivity to stand at the right time during the day because, yeah, you, there are times you should sit. It's good, you know. So that really does help. Um, I love that. And uh, and also creating my environment. My office is dimly lit mm-hmm. and it's pretty and it has things that I like around me because um, early on I knew, I thought, gosh, I, there's a part of me, I'll admit, resists the corporate kind of setup with the, the lights, the uh, fluorescent lights and all that yeah. stuff. So hard, so hard for me. Those and lights I, are the quickest killer of creativity <laughs> I've ever seen. Oh, Those oh fluorescent yeah. So, lights. Yeah. So I said, you know what, that's it. I, I'm going to create my own environment. And, you know, they think I'm a little kooky in there, you know, like up, up in my office. They're like, oh yeah, Kara, you know. But uh, so that's okay. So the office setup is huge because I think that you have to create an environment that's conducive so that you can create a conduit for creativity. And now that's that's something I've I've coined on morning cool down podcasts. You know, when I exercise, I consider that a, you know, a conduit Conduit. for creativity. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So um, so so let's see what else. Um, Yeah, I think uh, the cell kind of like. the mindset at Annie's at Creative Knitting is that the you know the editors of their magazine you know their magazines are very much running their own business within a business. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So I think that they understand and respect that. And there's not a whole lot of micromanaging going on. You know, I, I feel that, you know, I can look at every, uh, you know, issue that I'm going to plan uh, from, from the perspective of, you know, my own experience, what's going on in the industry, what are the trends, because, uh, you know, my superiors look to me as the expert in that, in, in that field, in my, in the company. And so, um, you know, they let me go, you know, they let me go at times. I've been called a maverick, but you know, nothing. Right. I think it was once said, I mean, if it were good enough for top gun, it's good enough for you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) That was on the other night. My husband started watching it. It's still so so funny. Oh, hilarious. You know, but anyway, so yes, exactly. What's wrong with that? Um, so, uh, are you I, able to then in turn, um, let your designers or your contributors have that same creative freedom that you've been given? Mm-hmm. Are you able to relinquish yeah. that control? Oh yeah. When it comes to the design aspect, I, I have enough to worry about when it comes to the big picture, putting together the the magazine, I really work hard to work with designers that are really good, you yeah. know, that really deliver the whole package, that get it from a business standpoint, too. And what is that whole package for you? Well, the whole package is, you know, delivering an, an amazing submission that is like the vision. It's like I can see it standing, sitting in front of me, whatever, you know, with all the details. You mean either like swipes or drawings and then a clear summary? Is it, or do you mean finished pieces? Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean that they're actually in in a proposal format with sketches and explanations and swatches and, you know, details about their concept that they're painting a picture for me in, so that I can envision in my mind's eye exactly what it's going to be in the end. And also that they're one step ahead of me yeah. um, because I am now looking for more than just patterns. You know, it's about telling the story a bigger story, uh, you know, through tutorials and articles that, you know, dive more into a pattern because, you know, let's face it, patterns are a commodity. And, you know, I've, I say that all the time, it's a problem because of the free that, that, you know, the free patterns have, you know, it's, you know, the, the industry has taken a hit because of that. And yeah. so with the magazine more and more, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to designers that can, give me more, give me more dimension. And then, you know, Hey, doing your own photography is a, is a, is a big deal. I mean, if you can develop that skill to an editor, I'm just saying you're having, you're a, having people take their own pictures that are then printed in the magazine only for tutorials. Oh, um, right. You know, not always, but in, in many respects, the designers, most tutorials, they're taking the photos. I just did that for my one of my own books it wasn't planned that way but we had to fill in some content fast my book came up 30 pages short can you imagine oh you told me that yeah That's, and I can't imagine and no, no, my I'm... husband thankfully knows lighting and he shoots a lot of my videos so he could do the photographs and we turn we turn that stuff around within a week and if we hadn't been able to do that my book would have had about 12 galleries of the same pictures. Oh, my goodness. It's important because there's not the staff, because of where we are with publishing in particular, 
the staffing is not always there to do all of these jobs. And so a lot of it falls on the author that wasn't there before, especially with publicity, but also sometimes in like what you're saying with the artistic side, the illustration, sometimes the, I did my own illustrations. I'm not a drawer. Um, the photography, anything extra that you can bring Mm-hmm. is going to help your overall career because <laughs> editors like you are going to say, Ooh, I have a tighter budget, but I know this designer, she can bring it. I know that she'll know how to promote it and that she can, that in a pinch, we can have her do a t- tutorial if we need to fill space or X or Y or Z or A or B mm-hmm. or C. It's, it's not so just the, the, you know, budget thing. I mean, that is definitely part of it. Of course. I mean, it helps. But it's the vision. It's like, you know, if a designer is going to do the photography, showing their hands or whatever, little nuance Mm. is in that pattern, right? They're going to do a better job than I am. I have the skill and the ability to do it, but I am the only one right now in the company that will be able to go down there and pose for that and do the step outs. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Seriously? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, when it comes to creative knitting... I'm it, you know, as far as editors, the editor, there's no yarn editor and there's no other editor but me. (laughs) But, you know, I work with people on the outside that are, I I like to say, I partner with, just like I went, just going back to what I said before, you know, the whole um, finding people to help you do what you need. Yeah. And when a designer can deliver and, you know, they're going to get paid their worth. And then it's their vision and they do an exceptional job, then it's it's definitely going to be relayed in the right way. And then I, as the editor, as the business owner, so to speak, in this respect, I can focus on the big picture stuff. I can make sure that I'm steering the ship. Right. Because right. that's what an editor needs to do. And I know I've seen many editors get into uh, filling their own holes and doing their own doing designs for the magazines yeah. and then end up hating their craft. And I won't do, I mean, I design for the magazine every blue moon, but, but when I do, it's never a garment. I won't do that because I'm not going to grade anything. It's going to be a cowl. It's going to be a hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be a fun project because by the time I get to the pattern, I'm like, why did I do this? Right. And, and for the non-netters and crocheters <laughs> um, listening to this grading is when you have to size a pattern. So it involves a lot of math and a lot of the unfun part of designing in general. And that's a skill that it's you a know, skill. It's a huge skill that designers, that's the first thing you need to master if you want to call yourself a designer. Absolutely. Maybe or or <clears throat> if you or know you, that it's a weakness, partner. No, you're right. Yeah, right, right, partner. right. As long as you can un see the thing I I've seen too is you can't you got to make sure you understand what your tech editor is doing or someone you know for sure that they're grading that, um, you know, based on the, the silhouette that you're, exactly. you know what I mean? So you got to have some ability, some knowledge, you know, I mean, but yes, but I mean, you're, you're absolutely uh, right. You're absolutely right. Any partnership right. requires some knowledge of the way the other person works or lives or plays or creates. Um, you know, I know for me, anything involving math is really not my strength. And I've spent a lot of time trying to change that. And I've come to the, I've come to a point where, you know, it's like, um, it's like that book, The Art of Asking. Um, oh, yeah. Um, where, 
you just, I just have come to grips with like, yes, I would, that is something. And maybe when I retire, maybe I'll focus on that just because it kind of irks me, you know, that I can't Mm -hmm. do everything that I want to do. But at the same time, I'm not doing a service to my overall career or my craft by focusing on something that at the, at the end of the day, isn't going to A, fulfill me or B, make me any money, make my family any money. Mm, Good point. Um, And so for me, letting a little bit of that control go and let's be honest, most of the stuff I design is, is accessories because I enjoy that more. But letting go of some of the stuff that overall, you know, when the pattern's printed, nobody's going to look at that and say, wow, that was graded beautifully. I mean, you and I might, but really they're going to look at the way it's draped, the way it's styled, the stitch pattern, the way that it fits the model. So do the other things matter if you're not getting the notoriety for it? Probably not. Probably not. So finding mm-hmm. partners that you can trust to really speak to that integrity of, of your design, I think is just another smart business move. Absolutely. Uh, Amanda Palmer's the, uh, the uh, author of that book, Art of Asking. I was trying to think. I was trying to yeah, rack my brain uh, yeah, for it. That's, um, that's a book that I would like to read. I'm gonna... She's uh, the lead singer of the Dresden Dolls, or was. I don't think that they're together anymore. She's She's pretty punk rock she's she's a smart gal um we're kind of going I'm kind of going backwards here but there was one thing I wanted to ask you um when we were talking about illustration were you um did you draw a lot as a child was that how you expressed yourself I I did draw a lot I had sketchbooks oh my gosh like since I was 10 and I did this funny thing where I used to write for each of my drawings on my drawings was my age and the date, like the date, yeah, like my age and the date, like age 11, yeah, you know, whatever the date was. And um, yeah, I, I did that for years and years. And it was always just a part of me. Like I didn't think, you know, yeah. think about it, you know. And then, yeah, I went to art school. I went to Parsons uh, School of Design in, in New York City. And um, I majored in illustration because I wanted to, even back then thinking like a mark, you know, business person, I need to go into a commercial art field yeah. because initially I wanted to major in fine arts and I was like, Oh, I'm not spending all my parents' money on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, being a fine art major, you know, for four years painting in a closet, you know, in a little, you know, crazy do you paint? studio, you know, um, I guess you could say I do, I, you know, be, with my collages, I don't know if you've seen any I of have, those. Yeah. I, it's kind of this mishmash or this eclectic, mix of everything that yeah. I've always loved to do. Um, you know, because I first discovered collage when I was in college, I was a sophomore in college and I fell in love with it. So anything three-dimensional, and this is a kind of a cool thing that we're getting into because that was the beginning of my love affair with three-dimensional, even though you think collage, is not really three-dimensional, but in a way it is because There's layers there's layers and then I'm adding pieces and I love to use my hands and mush things and spread things around. And yeah, so the layer thing and, and then different mediums and, and, um, aspects, paint, crayons, you know, markers, paper, I mean, odds and ends that I find. And then from there I started doing 3d illustration. Like I just really got into it. Um, you know, and, and then, I discovered. Is this through a graphics program or are you physically drawing 3D, 
3D illustrations? No, back then, because I was, you know, I graduated college in 91. I think there was one computer in the whole school. <laughs> yeah. Like, and this was like a top, this is a top oh, art school. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and it was, uh, no, I, it was all by hand. It, I did it paper. I did it with clay and Sculpey was my favorite thing to use. Yeah. Um, and so I just started that thing and I didn't, you know, everyone else was drawing with their pen and ink and their, but I was just like, every, I got to this point where everything had to be 3d at one point. And then funny enough, senior year, cause here I was on this path as an illustration major and I discovered I want, I wanted to take an elective and it was, um, hat design. It was millinery, millinery design. And then I was like, Whoa, clothing, you know, of course hats, but like the three dimensions that you could turn fabric into is yeah. something three dimensional. And that was it. I'm telling you, I was hooked. And then from there on out, I worked after that, I worked in the garment center when I graduated I didn't go into illustration right away. I went into illustration. I started being an illustrator later. Yeah. I started in the garment center. I Doing what? I worked um, in cut and sew, like accessories, designing accessories. Basically, that was, you know, hats and, you know, different head accessories. Um, and, uh, and I worked for a couple of different companies doing that for, you know, a while. And... Um, and then I left and then I went, you know, cause I discovered knitting. I discovered knitting again. <laughs> I learned when I was 12, but I discovered knitting when I was working. From your mom? Well, okay. So I'll back up. My grandmother taught me when I was 12. Okay. And then I lost interest, you know, like kids can, you know, that can happen. And then I, I rediscovered it in my twenties when I was working in the garment center. And it's so interesting because this yarn, this um, yarn shop was right around the corner from where I worked and I didn't see it for years, you know, and I just remember working and boy, let me tell you, I was uh, in that cutthroat environment crying every day, <laughs> you know, it was just like crazy. Yeah. And so I discovered this really sweet yarn shop called the Yarn Connection on Madison Avenue, which is no longer there anymore. And I was like, wow, where has this been? You know, so I walk in and I just, uh, I just got excited again, you know, plain and simple. And I... By the materials or just by the garments that you saw? Well, the yarn, you know, um, I just, I wanted to find an outlet from, you know, this kind of high pressure job, you know, working in the garment center. And I just went walking one day on my lunch break and I found this yarn shop and it, I needed it as an outlet. You know what I mean? So I saw the yarns and I was just so excited by the yarn. And I just picked up knitting again. And I, I took a class, you know, just to refresh my, myself, make sure I was knitting correctly <laughs> and started knitting again. This was like in the early 90s. And so that was it. I, I've been knitting like a crazy, crazy girl since then. And I was determined to figure out how to turn it into a career from that point on. So everything I've done is sort of create, you know, I've created that myself, yeah. you know, and I said, well, I'm going to figure it out. I don't know how the heck I'm going to do it, but I know I can. And, uh, just started, you know, connecting with people, which is something that I think I've been really good at, you know, yeah. making friends and connecting with people in the industry. And, you know, I consider all of them my friends too, you know, because it's like about building these really beautiful relationships 
I think that that speaks a little bit to um, something I I recently taught a um, a live and then online course for Creative Live called Monetize Your Craft and and um, one of the things that I really was hoping to get across to students was that we have this the this benefit that many other industries do not allow and that is that the career in and of itself is also a creation. We, can, we have the ability to create whatever that picture looks like for ourselves, um, which is not something that you can say if you're an attorney or a doctor or an accountant. or I mean, it's such a, such a fluid, undefined category that that in and of itself, if you can allow that to be another creative outlet for yourself, then it may not feel as constricting trying to monetize, put the word monetize on something that's your mm. art, which is very hard for a lot of artists and crafts. You know, it feels, for the lack of a better term, icky. But if yeah. you can think of that in and of itself as being a journey or as being a creation, sometimes that helps sort of open up those gateways. I think so, too. And it's also believing that, you know, Without a doubt. I mean, this can be hard sometimes, but you just have this faith and this belief that, you know, what you're doing will eventually monetize if you want to, we want to use that word here. Because if that's the case, you're definitely going to see resources appear, you know, if you're going up that road. Because I think that that's really an important thing too, is to, you know, not so much put a dollar sign on something, but you know, just have a healthy kind of outlook about what that, you know, idea of monetizing really is uh, or what that really means. But, um, yeah, don't, I just like to say, don't expect your creative life to pay the bills right away. You know, let it grow organically, I think. I think that's important. I really do. Because um, I've seen too many people kill kill that side because they wanted to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that to be like a downer. I'm just saying like, you know, allow it to grow organically um, because it's going to flower into something that maybe you can't imagine. Like I think about my career and if you gave me a, a, you know, a a crystal ball and I could see into the future, you know, see all these things that I've done, I'd be like floored, you know, because there is, you know, I like to say there's no blueprint, right? We, we create our own blueprint. Absolutely. The blueprint of you, you know, whatever that is. And you can create it and recreate it every day, every year, whatever. And I think that sometimes we can get it, you know, stuck and think we can't. I've never thought that I couldn't. I, um, and it's not to sound cocky or anything like that, but I just have always felt like I want to do something and I'll just do it. And so it's almost like they become little mini realizations because when you see yourself accomplish something, it helps you for the future accomplishments because you're like, oh yeah, I did that and I believed it. I had no doubt. I just wanted to do it. And it, and those little things are like your jewels for the future. I think you, you have yeah. to hold on to those. Yeah. Look at your own history and thrive on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, Karagat Warner, delight as always chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Well, thank you so much. Kara Gottwarner talks more about the passion for knitting on her own podcast, Power Pearls. For more info, please check out this episode's show notes page at vickihowell.com slash craftish. Craftish is produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell. 
Thanks again to our sponsor, Kitterly, the cat's pajamas of knit kit makers. And don't forget to take advantage of that Vicky 20 code for 20% off any kit. I'd also like to give just a general shout out to the 32 of you who at the time of this recording had taken the time to review and rate Craftish. Not only does it make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, I'm kind of pinching myself that they were all five star. Um, it also really helps more listeners to be able to find this podcast. So um, thanks. You're like totally the wind beneath my podcast wings. If you're interested in any of my other projects, please check out my website, vickihowell.com, and follow at Vicki Howell on social media. My latest book, We Garter Stitch, Must Have Knits for Modern Babies and Toddlers, is available for pre-order on Amazon. Tune in to the next episode of Craftish with my guest, fabric designer and quilting artist, the incomparable Tula Pink. That'll go live next Tuesday. Until next time, breathe in, craft out. <laughs>